of a white Christmas. Hey there, welcome to Shoot the Flick. I'm Frankie Sparks. And I'm Scott Eisenberg. And we are a married couple who like to shoot the shit about movies. That we do, that we do. Um, and I feel like we need to explain. So this is our holiday special here at Shoot the Flick for 2022, season three, you guys. Hasn't it been a ride we've been on this season? Oh, yeah, this is <laughs> emblematic of the holidays. What, what, a, what a way to end it, huh? Indeed. So um, we kind of alluded to it last week. That we we had two options going into our Christmas special this year and what we were going to do. We had a wholesome option and a not so wholesome option. I'm guessing you can figure out that we went with the not as wholesome option. Uh, Our more wholesome Christmassy idea was to do a review slash revisit of the Muppet Christmas Carol. Which would have been nice because not only did it recently celebrate, I believe it's 30th anniversary... But uh, our very first review on Shoot the Flick eons ago was for the original Muppet movie. So it would have been a nice little way to honor that STF history while also honoring the Christmas spirit that we all know and love. However, (laughs) we decided to go another way. Scott, what movie did we watch today for this Christmas special of joy and hope and, and... joy (laughs) we watched the james cameron (laughs) not so classic well you can't say that it's a classic not so classic okay (laughs) titanic released in 1997 some might call it the ship of dreams now (laughs) there are reasons we chose this Um, One of them being similar to why we had Batman and Robin in our holiday lineup this year. Ice and cold and winter and Christmas. Those are all things that fit together, right? Indeed. But um, also, Scott has a particular connection to this movie that involves Christmas. Scott, why don't you tell us about that? Uh. (laughs) So let's go back into the Wayback Machine. Oh, no, not the Wayback Machine. The Wayback Machine. When this movie first came out on VHS. Oh, and it had like the double pack of uh, VHS tapes. My father used to have a Christmas Eve party every year. Friends and family would all come over for Christmas Eve. Shout out to Hal Eisenberg, who's been on our show before. Yes, So the year Titanic came out on VHS, all these people came over with their kids, and one of my friends and his brother decided, hey, let's watch Titanic. Okay, why? (laughs) And they're like, it's a great movie. You'll love it. Everybody loves it. I'm like, okay, sure. So Christmas Eve, we are now sitting down in my living room. Watching a three-hour and 15-minute long movie. <laughs> and I am increasingly getting more and more annoyed because I'm like, why are we watching this? Uh-huh. I didn't like the love story. I didn't like any of the characters. Uh-huh. It's a movie where we all know the goddamn ending. There's a, ju- a ship that hits an iceberg. <laughs> R- right. Well, it's more. It's about more than the iceberg, Scott. Okay. <laughs> It's, it's you know, 
it's about love and stuff. Anyway, th- this movie just recently celebrated its 25-year anniversary, and because it's so iconic in our lexicon, I thought it'd be fun to revisit it, just because Scott may have a particular aversion to this film, and, and it may have ruined poor little childhood Scotty's Christmas. But I I remember seeing this movie at least once or twice before as a, as a youth and uh, I, I don't remember feeling any particular way about it, necessarily. I remember the iconic Celine Dion song, which, trust me, we'll get to. Because the score in this movie by James Horner is prevalent. And it's, it's, it's there. And it is an earworm. So we'll definitely talk about the, the iconic score and the iconic song with this movie. But yeah, I, I, as far as the film itself, I don't remember feeling anything particularly strong either way. Liking it, hating it, it's just like whatever. So I thought it would be interesting to revisit it at a completely different and more mature stage in our lives. So this is the first time I've seen this movie since that day, since that Christmas Eve. Oh, you never watched it ever since then? Nope. Oh, shit. Well, I can imagine why you would want to. Okay, got it. So I've never seen it since then. So this is the first time revisiting it. In 23 years. Jesus Christ. I mean, probably not too dissimilar from me, to be fair. But just to shout out, my father has seen this movie multiple times, including when it was re-released. Ah, yes. Remember back in 2012 when Titanic had a 3D re-release in theaters? Why? Why 3D? That that I don't understand. Why would you do... Why? Of all the movies you could re-release in 3D, Titanic was the one you're like, yes, this will definitely work with 3D technology. I, you know, I think this movie is for sure overhyped at least during the time of its release it probably was i I think like a lot of james cameron movies it's a lot of uh you know technical wizardry that is applauded in this movie um and you know not as much focus is on the story it's kind of similar to the situation right now because avatar 2 has recently been released and that's kind of the similar story we're getting with that there are so many people in my life that consider this a great movie. Some of them I know who think this movie's in their top five of movies. I, yeah, that's a little much. Spoiler alert. It's better than I thought it was. Scott still doesn't like it, Still though. don't like it, but it's better than I thought still it was. Still does not like it. I kind of feel the same way about it. I, I didn't change my original rating that I had in Letterboxd, but I did, I did still like it fine. <laughs> That's my overall review. We'll get into the details later because there are things I really like about this movie and things that I, I don't. Uh, one of them, and I think Scott and I can both agree, the runtime is like atrocious. The runtime is so It's drag. so unnecessary. It was an Oscar movie, obviously, which we're going to get to as well. And, you know, one of the tropes typically with a lot of Oscar movies is that it's, a, you know, it's a slow burn. It's a long runtime. Lots to do and lots to focus on. And, uh, you know, I get that the, the, the visual effects in this movie, especially at the time in the late 90s, was a big deal. And, and just like not even just the visual effects like computer wise, but just the the sheer fuckery that went into making this movie just practically with the effects. It's it's, it's a lot. Um, so it should be applauded for that. But if you don't have a strong story to undercut that, then, you know, maybe it becomes a little less 
timeless. However, I did I did kind of even in the beginning, I it took me a while to get into the story, but once I was into the story, I kind of I, I fell into the trap. Let's say that. I, I, <laughs> I fell into the trap pretty hard. <laughs> just thinking about, it, I think this is now the longest movie we've covered. Absolutely yes. And again, just just to reiterate. Listen, I get it's not a Christmas movie, guys. I mean, unless you're Scott Eisenberg and the Eisenberg clan, maybe then it's a Christmas movie. But, you know, typically not Christmas movie. It's, you know, based on a pretty horrible tragedy where 1,500 plus people died. So it's not a typical movie for Christmas cheer. However... I would say that there's there's more to it than meets the eye. This is I think, also, I think you can get something positive out of this that isn't sad. Well, no, yeah, sad. no, you it is sad, but you can get something positive out of it. This is the second shipwreck movie we've covered, by the way. Yeah, we did Poseidon Adventure. There's some uh, similarities to Poseidon Adventure. We did a, a review of that earlier in this season of Shoot the Flick, so feel free to check that out because that's also a great fucking movie. That movie was so much better than this movie. I would actually agree with that. Yeah. Don't come for me. I feel like everyone's going to be mad at us. But yeah, no. If you like Titanic, I suggest you watch The Poseidon Adventure if you haven't. Because it's really good. But um, this film, as we mentioned, was written, directed, co-produced, and edited by James Cameron of Terminator fame. Of, of course, the Avatar films. He did Aliens and many much more movies. James Cameron is arguably one of the biggest filmmakers to ever exist. The thing about James Cameron, and I think this is kind of the book on him, is he always tries to push the envelope with the technology allowed to him. Like, he always wants to be ahead of the curve with, this like, technology. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that comes great, and that makes, like, these beautiful movies. Like, I remember when Avatar came out, and that was, like, a huge thing, and everyone was like, oh, my God, it's so beautiful. Look at everything in the world and stuff. And then you quickly realize the movie was just okay. They're great to look at, maybe, but not as great to sink your teeth in emotionally. Yes. But despite all that, Titanic obviously was a a huge explosion in the 90s. It was entered into the National Film Registry in 2017. Uh, At the time of its release, it was number one at the box office for 15 consecutive weeks. And it has made over $2 billion, despite it going way over schedule and way over budget during shooting, which isn't shocking considering how much Mishigas went into making this thing. But I love this quote. When asked if James Cameron was willing to cut the movie down from its three hour and 15 minute runtime, he was quoted as saying, you want to cut my movie? You're going to have to fire me. You want to fire me? You're going to have to kill me. And it's like, whoa, sir. (laughs) Sir. Sir, it's okay. Sir, there's at least 20 minutes you could have easily cut from this movie. I mean. Yeah, for sure. You could have made it under three hours. Did we really need the plates crashing down multiple times? I mean, yeah, well, that's the thing. I mean, spoiler alert, there's an iceberg in this movie. And when we get to the iceberg part of the movie, it it almost gets gratuitous. Not just like the plates crashing and the fucking rooms getting fucked up in the ship, but also just like the sheer panic and chaos and death in this movie. It's like, okay, Jesus Christ, like we, we get it, stop. 
Do we? <laughs> it's painful. Do we need to constantly cut back to these musicians? Oh my god, the violinists, you guys! I wanted to kill myself. I was laughing so hard. I'm like, this is absurd. It's oh so my stupid. god. Uh, I, we're not gonna like go through every single detail of the plot. We're gonna go through like certain plot points. Uh, but this is not going to be a typical, I guess, shoot the flick where we go through every single plot point because Jesus Christ. It's three hours long. Yeah. Like, we're just going to have like a nice discussion about it. But yeah, just getting back to the hype, some might say overhype of Titanic, the movie. It was nominated for 14 Oscars and won 11 of them. It won Best Picture, Best Director, Best Cinematography, Best Art Direction, Best Costumes, Best Sound, Best Editing, Best Sound Effects Editing, Best Visual Effects, Best Score, and Best Original Song. Bitch. And just so you know, the Celine Dion Classic also won three Grammys. Don't worry. We're going to fucking get to Celine Dion. Because I was waiting for her the entire movie, and she didn't show up till the end credits. I was a little upset, but by that point, I was just so happy. I just wanted to listen to the whole song. But the the ones that lost were also kind of interesting. It was nominated for lead actress for Kate Winslet. Old Rose also got nominated for supporting actress and lost. Oh, and just, this one just makes me giggle a little bit. It was nominated for best makeup and lost to Men in Black. <laughs> men in black and titanic came out in the same year and men in black is a much better movie oh my god okay relax no it's it's that's like comparing apples to oranges though if i it's like a totally different thing a or b which one are you gonna watch well men in black thank you it's that's the answer but that doesn't mean it's a better movie it doesn't necessarily mean that it's like okay what movie would i rather watch power of the dog or would i rather watch the room i'd rather watch the room but that doesn't mean the room's a good movie it just means i have a sickness that's not really <laughs> that's not really that doesn't mean the room is a better movie than power of the dog but there have been so many adaptations of titanic and i i know of some of them so i just like kind of like took a little swan dive into titanic in media I don't know. I guess because it's so far removed from modern media that people feel like they can just make movies about it and references to it and shit. And have rapping dogs in it? Uh, Yeah, well, there we go. That's the first thing I wanted to bring up. Several movies have been made about the Titanic disaster, including two animated kids' films. And I've, I've watched... I've watched one of them. The other one I've seen clips of. But they both weirdly have a shitty romance... And both have either talking, singing, or rapping animals. I don't know why, but it exists in real life. And then I've heard of another sequel, quote-unquote, to Titanic that they made on the Sci-Fi Network called Titanic 2. It was just about like a ship that took off on the 100-year anniversary of Titanic and got hit by an iceberg. It was an asylum movie. And it's just a piece of shit. And I think there have been other asylum movies. One's called Titanic 666, where I guess Titanic is haunted. I don't know. So but it's, it's death ship. Yeah, it's just weird shit. And I just wanted to mention, there's a musical based on Titanic. Uh, it came out in 1997 on Broadway, but it wasn't based on this movie. It was just another thing based on the Titanic disaster. There's no Jack or Rose or anything like that in it. It's just a completely separate thing. I listened to the music and it's all just kind of blah. 
but it won fucking five Tonys, including Best Musical. So I guess the Titanic machine at that point in 97, 98 was just so strong (laughs) that it propelled this shitty average musical to get five Tony Awards. I don't know. And if you want to experience the Titanic for yourself. Oh, my God. There is a ride. This is sickness. In Tennessee, landlocked Tennessee. I, oh, my God. (laughs) At the Titanic Museum. <laughs> you can ride and experience the Titanic. That came up weirdly enough because Scott said something about isn't there a ride about the Titanic where there's a ship that breaks in half? I'm like, I don't think it's about the Titanic, but I think there is a ride in some major amusement park that existed at one time or exists now where a ship breaks in half. I feel like it's like a Universal Studios like tour type of ride. I I, I don't know. It, it might, might be been, totally off. It might have been the Jaws ride. That I'm it, it might of. be the Jaws ride, actually. Now I think about it, which is long dead, but it sounds vaguely familiar to me. But yeah, he looked it up and that's what he found. And I'm like, that's weird and gross. Like, I don't know. But <laughs> yeah, do you want to experience the shipwreck that killed 1,500 people? Come down to Tennessee. Oh, God. But uh, I wanted to mention, too, several television shows have referenced Titanic, including Futurama. Family Guy, Doctor Who, which we talked about uh, with because it's a David Tennant episode. That's right. The Titanic uh, episode. And also Supernatural has a whole episode about Titanic. And we know that Supernatural is my favorite TV show, so I got to mention that. Basically, an angel goes back in time and, and undoes the Titanic disaster. That, that's what I thought. I was like, and yeah. it like butterfly affects the future and a whole bunch of shit gets fucked up. Why? Why what? Why did you unsink the ship? Oh, because I hated the movie. What movie? Exactly. (laughs) Uh, Last but not least, there are, this is the weirdest one to me. There are video games based on the Titanic. Most are passenger trying to escape or diver exploring the wreckage. But there is a a Pokemon game, like a fan-based game. It's called Pokemon Uranium. And it introduced a character called... (laughs) I, I'm Titanize. I don't know. It's Titan, Titanic with an E at the end. So Titanize. And it literally, I looked it up. It literally looks like a ship stuck in a crater of ice. And it's an ice type Pokemon because no shit. So <laughs> that was just a little bit of research I did about Titanic in media. And I, I hope you are all now feeling very dirty and gross like me. <laughs> I will say, though, as as numb as I think we all are to the Titanic disaster, because it's so in media, I will say watching this movie and watching how they all all these passengers dealt with the the chaos of it all and random death and, and people staying behind and people getting fucked over in third class and all this, all this crazy shit that happened in the movie and in real life like it watching it on screen like it affected me and I wasn't expecting that I wasn't expecting to like feel things and like cringe and disgust at like these horrible things that happen in the movie because we all know what the Titanic is and we all know what fucking happened well it's also funny because every every second in this movie like for the first like hour and like a half oh yeah they just reference it constantly this ship is unsinkable the irony in this movie in the first like half is just oh my god every five seconds like either either it's Jack and Rose making some kind of reference to something or it's like like someone saying how freezing the water is or how they make reference to the lifeboats, how there's only half 
the amount of lifeboats for the people that are on the boat. It's like, oh, my God. Okay, we get it. <laughs> I understand you have to, like, get to these points because these are actual things that were right. there. It's a little on the nose. But th- then again, the whole script is, like, kind of generic and basic. Indeed. I'll say that I, I can understand why a lot of people see this movie as a rise above. Just because there there are emotional beats in this movie that hit you, particularly with the romance. I know Scott doesn't like the romance really that much. It's fine. It's fine. It's nothing I, I special. I will say, like, our main characters, Jack and Rose, they're both played by Leo DiCaprio and Kate Winslet, respectively. And I think it, we can all agree that they're both talented actors. And they're talented in this movie. They do a great job in the movie. And their chemistry together really elevates the material. Because on paper... Both of their characters, along with pretty much every single character in this movie, is a cardboard cutout of a person. It's very generic, very kind of bland, but yeah. particularly them two, they really elevate the material just by being together and being cutesy and in love. And uh, well, yeah, but getting again to the characters and their cardboard cutoutness, sometimes they make decisions where you're like, why would you make that decision at this moment? Give me an example of that. Oh... They're running downstairs. Let me grab this gun and go chase them as I shoot at them. Oh, my God. Okay, well, that's Billy Zane. Billy Zane in this movie is, like, on another fucking level. He basically is the villain. Even though I would argue that the fucking iceberg is the villain in this movie, but we need a real, like, human villain, I guess. And you couldn't paint by numbers a more cheesy and obvious villain than Billy Zane in this film. And I, I don't fault him for it because he's, he's doing his job. I mean, you know. Yeah, it's kind of weird because throughout the movie, he's an asshole. And yeah, he slaps Kate Winslet around. But like, that's kind of like a normal cord- cardboard cutout of an abusive character, right? But he just goes from like giving her a good slap now and again to just chasing her and her boyfriend through the fucking ship with a gun. And it's like, whoa. <laughs> we're all gonna die dude like just let it go because by then everyone's freaking out because the boat's sinking like nobody you don't even love this girl like who gives a shit it's just so it's just so fucking ridiculous leo dicaprio who plays jack and by the way this was uh the year after he did romeo and juliet which scott also loves so much that movie (sighs) (laughs) i think actually for if i remember correctly claire danes who starred as Juliet in that movie did an interview with I think Howard Stern where she said she was asked to do this movie but she declined because it was like it was right after Romeo and Juliet and it was going to be a slog and I just did I was not up for it (laughs) I was not I was not ready for that but like Kate Winslet has gone on record saying I think she got like a kidney infection doing this movie like everyone had problems like physically because when they did the sinking stuff in the big water tank it was like a 350,000 gallon tank and everyone got sick and got kidney infections and it was a fucking shit show and I think Kate Winslet said after that she's like I'm not doing a James Cameron movie for like uh, forever and now she just did Avatar 2 so she she was pretty traumatized I think from that role that's why I feel like too they have great chemistry trauma bonding really does wonders for two people that's true (laughs) because they're still really good friends to this day I think do you think off to the side there's a log floating in the water with Kermit the Frog just playing a banjo off to the side. <laughs> Why are there so many <laughs> bodies in the oh, ocean? Oh no, no! Oh my God, gross. <laughs> um. So I I guess we should talk about the framing device for this movie. 
first oh, in uh, Bill Paxton being an explorer, you know, Dora the Explorer, looking in the deep blue sea at the Titanic wreckage. Oh, my God. I love Bill Paxton in most movies. I consider Bill Paxton one of our greatest character actors because he's so fun usually. And in this movie, he's so un-Bill Paxton-y. Like, he's just, oh, God, I don't like him in this movie. I don't think he's really the problem. I mean, he's over the top. But I think everybody in this movie pretty much is, is like I said, a kind of over-bloated caricature in this movie. Uh, but Bill Paxton's done a bunch of James Cameron movies in the past. He plays Brock Lovett. He's doing like this documentary thing, discovering the Titanic. And the whole framing devices, they find this drawing, this sketch of young Rose with her titties out. And... The one thing I found weird, well, not the one thing, there's plenty of things I found weird in this movie, but they post the sketch on television, on national television, with just the titties out and like no blurring, no nothing. I'm like, that's not a thing you really do on the TV. The FCC would be all over your ass. But then we get old Rose coming in, played by Gloria Stewart, and she's like, that's a sketch of me. And the whole purpose of... uh, Paxton's exploration is he's looking for the blue diamond which is called the heart of the ocean it's a necklace with a big blue diamond in it and in the sketch she's wearing the blue diamond on her neck so they call her into their little exploratory site or whatever and they're like we want to know about the blue diamond tell us about it girl okay and send us back in time and every time they cut back to this old lady mm-hmm. every person on the ship is enthralled with this story well yeah she's weaving quite a magical tale. oh yeah such a magical tale of love oh such, such of love of uh, scott you know what can i just tell you something because... you even said me. i want to go back wait wait before we oh, go back to this okay yeah no no fight with me fight with me about titanic bro yeah i will okay one of the things you said while we watched this movie uh-huh. and i am quoting you okay <laughs> He just pointed like very (laughs) aggressively at me. All right, Billy Zane, calm down. I will not calm down. What do you want? What did I say? You know, even if they got off the ship, they probably wouldn't make it. No, I'm not. I said that. As a jaded adult, I can understand the concept that young love doesn't always last, right? So the reason I said that is because, yeah, they have great chemistry together, Jack and Rose. But in reality, they only knew each other for like two days on this ship before it went kaput. So in reality, yeah, they're, they're infatuated. They're in very hard like with each other. But, you know, in the real world... It wouldn't work. It's like when you go like on vacation or whatever and you meet somebody and then, you know, you're like ships passing in the night. Like it's not, you know, like a summer camp boyfriend or something like that. You know what I mean? That's that's the vibe I got from them. But it doesn't negate the chemistry between them. But the, the issue I have with you, sir. She pointed is, at me this time. Is that we personally, you and I, Frankie Sparks and Scott Eisenberg are the exception to the young love never lasts rule. That is true. And I find it very insulting that you just, you know, poo-pooed their romance. Because our romance <laughs> isn't their romance. Right. No, I get it. But, like, okay, I'm going to, like, just, like, let the cat out of the bag. So we all know what happens in this movie towards the end, right? The ship sinks. 
there's a door we'll get to the door but the, the there's the young love is is faltering in the ocean bad things happening right and somebody dies when that person died i got a little misty eyed okay a little mist no no tears were shed yet okay i retained my dignity <laughs> <laughs> but I looked over at this idiot on my left here and I says to him, I says, because he looks so flippant. I'm like, you don't feel anything right now? Like nothing? And I was he's also like, not eight, really. I was also eight shots in of whiskey. Shut the fuck up. That would make you more susceptible <laughs> to emotion. So I don't buy that. Okay. You just have no heart. Oh, yes. No heart. So I look over at him and he feels nothing. I'm like, what the fuck? Do you don't feel anything right now? And he's like, not really. And then I don't know what happened to me. <laughs> I really don't know what happened. I just like burst into tears. I was like, what if we were on the What if we were on the Titanic? And I kicked him not hard, but I like kicked him in the butt. And I'm like, what if we were on the Titanic? Da 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 And he's like, What is wrong with you? Like, I don't know. It's like, this is what I meant before when I said I fell into the trap. I fell into the trap. The Titanic trap. You got me, James Cameron. It won't happen again. <laughs> oh, it, was, it was a moment. And there was another moment, which we'll get to later. But um, we, we get into the real uh, nitty gritty of the story told by old Rose. We get introduced to Kate Winslet playing Rose and then we also meet as I said uh Billy Zane who plays Cal who is like Rose's fiance and they're rich they're rich people like she doesn't really love him he's like older than her I think she's 17 in the movie and he's like probably a little older like in his 20s or whatever and they're supposed to get married because for whatever reason Rose's family is like financially unstable well, the mother yeah, no. played by uh Francis Fisher is like you must marry him for our financial stability yes because Rose's his father apparently lost a bunch of money and then died. He was a gambler or something. So that's that's the uh, typical kind of uh, romantic conundrum that uh, you know she wants she has to marry this guy that she doesn't really love, but then she meets Leo DiCaprio and oh a swooning ensues. And the mother is a fucking cunt. Oh yeah, I mean she's she's an asshole, and I mean she gets her comeuppance in the end, I guess. Does she? Well, yeah, she loses her daughter because, as far as she knows, her daughter's dead. At well, the end of the movie. yeah. Well, you know what? She deserved it. She deserved. Yeah, well, she, yeah, well, that's she, what I'm saying. She deserved to die. Well, so did Cal, but he didn't die either. Spoiler alert. But um, we show like everybody getting on the ship in the beginning of the movie here, and we see you know a bunch of hoity-toity rich people sashaying on the ship, a bunch of like hoity-toity poochies getting on the ship which concerned me i was like oh no oh yeah and then we see leo who's playing jack obviously and his friend fabrizio they're playing poker with these guys to get the two tickets they have two tickets to the titanic and they're playing poker to get the tickets and they win and <laughs> they just go like ah we're the luckiest sons of bitches in the world well, you, 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 yeah and i'm like oh fuck well you think about two things you think about the guys who lost the tickets because now I want them at the end going like, Excellent! And then I also started comparing Leo's character to Dante from Clerks. I wasn't even supposed to be here today. <laughs> uh, but he said he said it was worth it, Scott, because he met Kate Winslet. So he wouldn't change anything. 37 dicks. <laughs> oh, no. 
Not 37. If anything, he sucked 37 dicks. He's clearly more sexually experienced than Rose is, but that's besides the point. You know, they get on the ship, and there's a lot of iconic moments in this movie that, like, everyone remembers, like the whole King of the World moment where Leo and his friend Fabrizio are standing on the bow of the ship, and they're like, ah, I'm King of the World! And apparently that was ad-libbed by uh, Leo DiCaprio, which is kind of funny. But also... (laughs) It's it's funny because he at one point Leo does this like laugh of whimsy and joy and I swear to god me and Scott were both like <laughs> it sounds like Anakin in Phantom Menace. Oh god. Yippee. <laughs> oh boy. Uh but one pretty major character that I want to introduce before we move on is uh Molly Brown played by Kathy Bates who is like She's just, like, the cool mom in this movie. Like, I just love Kathy Bates in this movie. This was two years before she did Waterboy, which we all know her character in Waterboy, right? I feel like Kathy Bates is just, like, Hollywood's mom. <laughs> Even today, it's just like, oh, Kathy Bates. I would almost classify her as one of our, like, greatest actresses. She's been in so many great movies. She's great. And she's almost, she's always usually one of the better parts in most movies she's in. Absolutely. I'm surprised she didn't get a supporting actress nomination, actually. Not that I'm mad that Gloria Stewart got one, but Kathy Bates did really great in this movie. She she had more to do also. Kathy Bates did great, but like, it's just a bunch of people being dicks to Kathy Bates, like this entire movie. Well, yeah, because she's new money, Scott. We get some more, like, iconic moments here. We have Rose, who is so, you know, verklempt about her situation. She attempts suicide, and then Jack rescues her. Um, Cal, being the asshole fiancé, he has to come in and be like, Hmm, I don't trust you, commoner. Why don't you come to dinner with us tonight, us fancy people, so I can thank you for saving my fiancé, who's ungrateful for everything I do for her. Uh, Let me slap her around a little bit before we go to dinner tonight, and you can embarrass yourself. And give you $20. Yeah. You know, he again, just typical asshole shit. But he kind of got egg in his face after that because then Kathy Bates, she gives Leo a nice suit, slicks back his hair with some nice 1912 hair gel. And, uh, you know, he he charms the pants off all the rich people in there, which kind of just proves. I mean, there definitely is a classism sort of overtone in this movie. But the whole thing there with, uh, you know, Leo kind of ingratiating himself with all the rich folk it it definitely sends off the message that like oh yeah like it's all bullshit like it's just a whole big pile of bullshit well i also think part of it is they find leo amusing like oh look at this this ruffian <laughs> like, i think that's part of it but i think you can tell just by the look on rose's mom's face and cal's face that like they're pissed off cuz he's actually like charming and like cute <laughs> they're all mad that he's so fucking cute <laughs> oh yeah but then he has to, of course, invite Rose to dance in the poor... With all the commoners and their dark beers. <laughs> but of course, you know, I admit that Leo and Winslet have decent chemistry. They do. They. It's not like it's unbelievable that these two would have this whirlwind romance. Right. But it's just like everything else around it is just such drag and such like... It's hard to get into something you know is doomed from the start. There are times where, yeah, you can believe, like, oh, even if you know they're not going to make it, like, you can get into it. But I don't feel like this is that kind of love story that pushes past the doomed from the start. 
So um, we have Rose's mom in a very typical turmoil scene where it's like, oh, you cannot be with this straight rat, Jack Dawson. Uh, and, you know, Kate wins. It's like 17. So she's like, it's not fair. Meh, meh, meh. And <laughs> the mom comes out of the line, which I kind of I wrote down. because I thought it was funny. Of course, it's unfair. We're women. And I was like, well, I mean, true, but <laughs> I mean. Yes, but... It's still true today in 2022, a line that was written for a character in 1912. So, I mean, you know, is what it is, I guess. But, you know, she tells her, you gotta stay away from fucking Jack. And at some point later on, he pulls Kate aside and he's like, I fucking love you, bitch. I ain't ever gonna stop loving you, bitch. <laughs> and <laughs> yeah, that's what she said. <laughs> But he, he basically tells her, I liked this scene between them too, where he's like, listen, like if you go along with what your mommy wants you to do and fucking Cal asshole wants you to do, then, you know, any fire that you have in your soul that I see in you, it's all going to go out. Do you know the only thing that could have made this movie even more 90s? What? <laughs> if two princes played at some point during it. Well, that's a little out of uh, time period, Scott. <laughs> we didn't go that deep with it. Rose is like, you can't save me, Jack. You can't be the one to save me. And he's like, I know. You have to save yourself. And she's like, ah, and runs away in a huff. And then, and then quickly changes her mind. Quickly changes her mind. And then they have the fucking iconic like scene on the fucking top of the ship. And the score is going crazy with the My Heart Will Go On score. And then the, the oh, yeah. I'm flying, Jack. It's it's very over the top. The little, like, that, that little piano bit. Yeah. Of My Heart Will Go On. They use this little, that little beat. I want to say like four or five times yeah, they throughout used the it movie. Quite a few times. It w they were cock teasing us with the fucking song. I wanted the song. I was like, come on. <laughs> this is a perfect moment. They're kissing for the first time. But yes, Jack and Rose are together now. And we have some iconic moments here throughout the next chunk of the movie. We get the draw me like one of your French girls oui, scene. Wee oui. wee, oui, oui, indeed. Uh, and the car sex scene with the hand on the window and the fog. That I remember. <laughs> They're running around the ship kissing and getting chased by Cal's little henchman. And it's, it's so very cute. And, you know, it's like any fucking Disney princess movie where they fall in love within like yes. a day and they're just planning to run away together. And then you got the where the young love scene may have possibly caused the Titanic to hit an iceberg. No, you can't blame them, though, is my point. Well, no, but he wants to blame them for sinking the Titanic. I'm like, that doesn't make any sense. They don't work for the Titanic. No, they're, they're minding their own business. But their love distracts. Are two men who are supposed to be watching for icebergs. Well, maybe the Titanic shouldn't hire perverts, Scott. <laughs> who are like, wow, look at those two make out. That's really awesome. You know, and then they look up and like, oh, shit. Yeah, like he just popped up out of nowhere. Like, okay. <laughs> it's like a fucking cartoon. But yeah, so because they couldn't turn well enough to avoid the fucking iceberg, they hit the iceberg and shit gets real. Well, shit gets real. For the next hour. This is where the gratuitousness this comes is, in. This is where we start needling. 
Evil. Yeah, there were a few times beyond this point in the movie where we had to we paused it and looked to see how long we had left, and we were like, "What? There's forty minute? What? There's thirty minute? How much longer? <laughs> when are we gonna get off this fucking ship?" It takes a while for shit to get really real. Like once the iceberg hits, it gets real. But people are still kind of walking around and dancing and having a lovely time, not fully realizing how bad it is. But then when it gets really, really real, then it kind of goes into overdrive and you're like, oh, fuck. And then you, you know what I mean? But there's also some shit that's dumb. Like, okay. Yes, absolutely. Gratuitousness for sure. (laughs) But like when they try and pin the stolen jewel on Jack... Right. Well, because at this point, they don't fully understand the no, gravity of the situation. They so they just want Jack away from Rose. Which so they is pin fine. It, they pin it on him. That's fine. But like the shot here, Jack's hand is in his pocket. They clearly show. Is it, it in his pocket? His hand is in his pocket. Oh, I didn't notice and that. And then the guy slips the necklace into the same pocket that his hand is. How does he not feel? Uh-huh. Oh, I didn't realize Jack's back. hand was in his pocket when the henchman put the thing. Okay, that's weird. Yeah. I, I don't know. Especially it's, for this thing that is so heavy. Right. They made the reference to how heavy it is. Um. Yeah, that's, that's, that's strange. I'll give you that, Scott. Look, I've wrapped it. This is my Christmas present. I'm giving that to you. Oh, thank okay? you. Okay? That's really dumb. <laughs> I don't like I you know, there are a lot of things in this movie that are dumb, but for the sake of theatrics, you forgive it because obviously this movie is, you know, an overblown dramatic thing. So it's like whatever, but And then finally after the ship is starting to fucking sink. Uh-huh. And Rose has decided she has to save Jack. Yes. He's been handcuffed to some pipe like in a room in like the basement. Uh, and then the henchman just kind of leaves him there to fucking die. But then Rose has like a revelation and the revelation scene is pretty fucking great because she like gives it to Cal in a big bad way. Like her mom gets on the boat and she's like, come on, Rose, get on the boat. And she's like, fuck this. I'm going to go find my man. And Cal's like, what the fuck are you doing? Are you cold? <laughs> oh, to him. Be a whore to gutter rat. I'd rather be his whore than your wife. She <laughs> spits in his fucking face, and I'm like, yes! It is satisfying. <laughs> Despite the fact that all these characters are admittedly cardboard cutouts, it is still satisfying for Kate Winslet to spit in Billy Zane's face. <laughs> she finally goes down, finds Jack, finds an axe, oh goes, my God. and she gets there, and <laughs> she fucking closes her eyes. And we both thought of the same fucking reference, because when she axes the cuffs off of him, they do a whole like bit where he's like, okay, do a practice thing over there, and she fucks up the practice run, but he's like, it's okay, Rose, I trust you, just get these fucking things off me. She wields back the axe and closes her eyes and swings down, and luckily enough it cuts the fucking thing off that's weird too throughout the movie jack has like weird spurts of luck but then like when he really needs it he it does not come luck be not a lady in the moments where jack really needs luck but i digress it reminded us both the same thing when she did the axing and she kept her eyes closed if anyone's seen the will smith movie i robot (laughs) Did you just shoot at me with your eyes closed? <laughs> we both like turned to each other and did the exact same thing. It was kind of funny. That was our own little uh, I'm flying Jack. Yes. Just remembering that stupid reference together. That that was our own don't let go. <laughs> but yes, so Rose saves Jack. They get back onto like the top of the boat after like a whole bunch of fuckery. 
And there's a lot of uh, slow motion around here, a lot of gratuitous, just, oh my God, doom, doom befalls us. It's just, you know, it gets a little much. But Cal and Jack convince Rose to get on one of the lifeboats. And Cal says to Rose, he's like, I will, I have an arrangement with one of the guys. I'll get me and Jack on another boat. I promise, you know, yada, yada. And she gets on the boat and she's being lowered down. And, you know, her and Jack are doing hard eyes. And he just like whispers over to Cal, like, there's no arrangement, is there? And he's like, oh, there is, but you won't be, you won't be benefiting from it, you asshole. I and, win, Jack. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, I, I really liked that moment for Jack because he knew the whole time that, that was a bunch of bullshit, but he just wanted Rose to get on the fucking boat. So he's like, he's just going to say whatever he has to say to make sure she's safe. Oh, my God. I liked that. It the- was romantic. Romantic. The best line in this entire movie. The best line in this entire Oh, when movie. she gets back on. She jumps off the boat. Gets back on the Titanic. Gets back on the Titanic and starts running. And Jack starts running. And they meet at the stairs. And, go, and he goes, Rose, why are you so stupid? I love you, Rose. Why are you so dumb? <laughs> but, um, yeah, this is where we get the craziness with Cal just jumping out of his skin and pulling a gun out and... You're chasing after them with a gun. But the other thing about this, so he's shooting at them. There are people, I understand. Meanwhile, the the boat is filling up with water and he's shooting them because he's mad he got rejected. Like, I don't understand that at all. But, But because this is the point, he puts his jacket on Rose. Yeah, earlier on. Early on. We'll get to why that's important later. But he's shooting at them as they're going deeper into the ship. And I'm laughing because there are people who are still evacuating the ship running towards the man shooting well because they're just trying to get out but it's so chaotic that you're like why <laughs> like you wouldn't keep it's, running it's, that it's just chaotic it, the whole thing is chaotic but for those of you that are gonna say like oh no he was shooting at them because the fucking heart of the ocean blue diamond thing was in uh the jacket pocket that uh kate winslet had no bitch that's not true because he didn't realize that it was in there until after they fucking ran away and he looks at his henchman and he's like oh shit (laughs) the diamonds in the jacket (laughs) isn't it funny no (laughs) isn't it it hilarious there's a whole thing with cal this is the part i really remembered about cal like throughout the movie more than anything else more than him like slapping kate winslet around and just i didn't even remember him chasing them with a gun i didn't remember that at all the part i remembered more than anything was when he picked up a random crying child and he was like please sir get me on the lifeboat i'm all she has in the world and then like (laughs) and then later on he just chucks the kid inside He's an asshole. The last, like, maybe half hour to 20 minutes of the movie is just gratuitous sadness. Like, just all the sadness you can possibly squeeze into half an hour is there. There's uh, the captain kind of going down with his ship. They have this old couple dying in bed together and getting taken over by water they have these third passenger families like getting stuck behind the gate and they have this mom like you know tucking her kids in knowing that they're about to fucking die it's like holy shit and just like just like the wide shots of the ship of people running back and forth just in chaos and tripping over each other you have you have the one first mate who shoots the Irish guy who we met once who was funny like a little bit and then we're like oh no he's dead Uh." yeah and then Fabrizio too gets crushed by one of like the 
like the pillars like the smoke pillars yes. or whatever uh and that was kind of stupid too because like literally fabrizio's in the first 10 minutes or whatever in the movie and then we don't see him the rest of the time until like this point so it's like oh okay hi bye fabrizio but yeah there's just panic and sadness everywhere you go these fucking violinists won't shut the fuck up that it, was too much so i was like i can't take this this is ridiculous the first part like they're playing and at some point they're like you know what it's time for us to stop and they start to walk away, and the head violinist is like, I'm going to play a little more. And he starts playing, and then all of them come back. I don't <laughs> – and listen, I don't know if that was taken from real life. I know that, like, historical accuracy was very important to James Cameron by all accounts. Like, he really wanted to visit the Titanic, like the shipwreck, and he wanted to explore it, and he wanted to make this movie. It's kind of a, a labor of love. So I, I want to give respect to that. I don't know if the violinist thing is true to life. I know there are probably some historical inaccuracies in this movie. I, If it's real, I'm sorry, but it just seems so stupid. But not only that, there's a guy playing the stand-up bass, which is the instrument I played. Ah. And I'm sitting there going like... Oh, and he takes the bass. <laughs> exactly. I'm sitting there going like, I understand your instrument is the most expensive fucking instrument. Trust me, I've debated about buying one. It's like, at that point... Just drop the bass and go. Yeah, it's like your bass or your life, bro. Come on. <laughs> Come on. They're not going to let you on the lifeboat with that. Fa- that, ba- like, that bass probably is like the equivalent of a person you, honestly, on the lifeboat. Oh, it is. Easily. I, I I have brought a bass onto a train and had to pay for a seat. Oh, my God. That's so funny. For the stand-up bass. Ugh, that's annoying. Oh, God. So the, the boat breaks in half and Rose and Jack... They're, you know, they're, they're our last people standing that we give a shit about. Molly Brown got off with uh, Rose's mom. Everyone else gets off. So really the only people left that we give a shit about are Jack and Rose, which makes sense. So they're stuck on the bow of the ship and <laughs> where they first met. It's so romantic. And they fall into the water. Jack's kind of trying to lead her through it. Like, okay, hold your breath here. I'll find you. Don't let go of my hand. Oh, don't let go. And then, yeah. They let go. So, so right. Well, shut up, Scott. <laughs> Don't fucking get me started again. So they're on the fucking door, right? We get to the door. And should we mention the whole Mythbuster thing with the door? Yes. So we watched the Mythbuster clip of the Titanic door situation, if they could both have fit on the door. And the thing, I think they proved that you can, if you like tie something around the door to like level it off or whatever, well, they it, both could have fit. Because she has a flotation device and if she could like tie it around the door. Oh, Okay. You could have had, because she has it on her. Right, right. Like, you could have had it balance them. But not only that, the other thing about the door that astounds me is it's a big piece of wood. No one else is going towards yeah, it. Yeah, that, that part is weird. But let's pretend that that's like, we can forgive that, okay? <laughs> people people get mad about the door thing. I personally don't, under, like, I'm okay with the door thing. Because they tried to get both of them on there, but it started to sink, so they stopped. And I can't imagine that when you are, like they mentioned earlier, in the water with freezing, stabbing knives in their body, they're going to think, oh, take off the floaty thing and tie it so we can both fit. It's so stupid. So. Well, no, uh, I'm okay with the door thing. Let's not kill fucking Kate it's Winslet's fine. character in this. She's, you know, it's fine, guys. It's, 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 it's just a movie. Re- and this was the point where I really started to get emotional because they're sitting there and 
at this point, you you know, you can kind of feel like Jack kind of knows he's probably going to die. And he just wanted Rose to know, like, I want you to promise me you're going to survive. You know, don't let go of my hand. Everything's going to be okay. Their relationship and, like I said, their trauma bonding is very sweet. And there's a scene where she's looking up at the stars and kind of singing to herself. And she kind of, like, loses track of time for a little bit she's kind of in her own world and then she sees the boats coming back tries to wake jack up and he's dead so there's a point where she's just gonna give up you can see it in her face she's like crying and she's just gonna give up but then she remembers that she promised jack she was gonna survive so she wakes up and got, snaps out of it lets jack go because she literally like pries him off of her and lets him go into the sea and i was really sad and then you know, we all know what happens. She gets the the whistle from one of the fucking guys that works on the ship and they whistle and the boat comes and she's saved. Which the other thing about that is just to like nitpick a little. Why does Jack sink? I don't know. He's the only one that sinks. He, that's true. I mean, I guess for dramatic effect, but just logically speaking. He would float. Why? Because everyone's floating there. But, but he didn't have a life vest he didn't on. Have, no, but Maybe like, that's why. But even still, like, bodies float i don't know scotty i'm not a fucking scientist okay (laughs) i doubt james cameron is either so whatever dramatic effect but yeah she gets rescued rose and it's a great moment and this was around the time that i was like what if we were on the titanic scott what would you do sub 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 and then um yeah i forgot about this part where they're saved because there's still more to this movie this movie is still not fucking over i think there's another at this point we're like Oh, how much is left? I think there was like another 25 minutes. I think so. I mean, my God, it's hard to keep track anymore. But the point is they they show all like the survivors together and like people trying to find each other. And you see Cal scoping around in the third class people trying to find Rose and she hides herself. And then there's a voiceover from old Rose saying that, oh, you know, that was the last time I saw Cal, but I heard that he killed himself after the stock market crash. So haha. And I'm like, yes. All right. That's good, I guess. And then um, we, we had a very interesting moment where um, some guy comes around and goes to Rose and it's like, can I get your name, ma'am? And she goes, Rose Dawson. And then I went, Ray Skywalker? <gasps> but then she finally realizes, like, oh, I have the necklace. Ah, yes. So I'm a millionaire. <laughs> no, but I'm going to keep this for decades. Yeah, she, she just kept it. And it's that part is pretty interesting. Because the whole, like, framing device was uh, Bill Paxton looking for this thing. And she had it the whole time in her pocket. And he never even knew that she had... I remember there being a scene. And maybe this is like fucking... What's it called? The Mandela effect. But wasn't there a scene where he catches her about to throw it off? And he like talk, tries to talk her down? And then I've, he lets her throw it off? Like, yeah, the, I remember In this that movie too. that we watched, she just goes to the railing and tosses it. Ooh, and like like a Betty Boop. Ooh, and it and she drops it but i distinctly remember him bell paxton trying to stop her maybe it was some other version maybe, some director's or, or like or a deleted, deleted scene yeah but that's that was weird to me but either way it's you know but like the other symbolism th- <laughs> symbolism but let's think about this logically oh please let's let's think about you have this diamond that these people who rented this giant rig to look at the titanic were looking for this diamond right 
that clearly is probably worth bajillion dollars. They said it's more than the Hope Diamond if, so if it were to be uncovered. Let's say billions. Right, sure. You have kids. She mentioned she's had two kids well, with clearly, some other random guy. Clearly they're just fine. Well, well, I think she was married to the guy. Yeah, she was married to some guy named Ralph or Frank Ralph or, or Keith or whatever the fuck. Which also it makes it really weird because the movie leaves off, obviously, with fucking old Rose going to sleep slash dying. We don't know. It's ambiguous. But she has a dream slash goes to heaven and it's on the Titanic and she meets back up with Jack and kisses him and it's everyone applauds because that's a thing people do and <laughs> when they see two people kissing <laughs> and then you know end credits also also just 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 to think about it yeah let's what about the other guy what, what about the guy you were married to and had kids with and shit that also like your heaven is the ship where you the all ship of died dreams. on <laughs> the ship of dreams, Scott? Maybe it was a dream. Maybe because she they mentioned she's a hundred years old. She's gonna be a hundred and one next month in this movie. So it's like it's very possible that she died and just was reunited with Jack at the end. But give the diamond to Bill Paxton so your kids are set for the rest of their lives. But it's not about that, Scott. The fucking diamond symbolizes the life that she would have had if she didn't venture out and believe in what Jack told her and follow Jack's promise but to she, live her life. But she, she, so she doesn't want none of that shit. But she's had this diamond for 80 years. Well, she could have done that any time in 80 years. But it was kind of more of a closure thing, I guess, at 101 years old, going back to where... The guy she loved died. I don't know, Scott. Listen, I like money. I would have sold the thing and made lots of money. But clearly, she was well off enough because she lives in a house with her granddaughter. And she's well off. She's got lots of stuff. Well, you know what? Her kids could have a lot of stuff. This also, like, leaves a question. Like, because clearly she changed her name, which I guess was easier to do in the 1900s. The records probably weren't as uh, succinct. But, like, so, like, what did she do after she got out? Like, how did she create this wonderful life for herself? Because they show, like, pictures of Kate Winslet after the Titanic, like, flying a plane and riding horses and shit. Like, how did she do all this? Like, did she just leave and go, like, get a job at, like, a Starbucks? Like, what did she do? It leaves a lot of... I think we should look to Titanic 2 to answer these questions. Titanic 2, on the mainland. (laughs) Electric boogaloo. (laughs) And it needs to be a rapping dog. Oh, no. Oh, God. But, um... Yeah, so we get to the end credits, and finally, we get Celine Dion singing My Heart Will Go On, which I haven't listened to that song in so long, just because, like, it's so, you know, it's an overplayed song. Yes. I'm, I'm sure even more so at this time where the movie was released. Yes. Um, but it is an iconic song, and Celine Dion is an iconic singer, so I got very much into it. I was singing. Scott was twirling around because he was half fucking drunk. And (laughs) surprisingly, I wasn't drinking at all. So it made it really weird when I thought the crying was done, Scott. I thought we were done crying. But then we're watching the movie. I'm singing the song. I'm getting into it, right? And then all of a sudden, our beautiful doggy, Leia, comes up to us. And we're cuddling with Leia. And then I remembered... (laughs) There were dogs on the ship, and I just start like tearing up, and I'm like, "Wait, what happened to the puppies? Oh my god!" And then I just hug Leia and start crying. 
you would think that I was like terribly drunk through this viewing, but I really wasn't. I just, I don't know. For some reason, Titanic made me emotional. Again, I fell into the trap, guys. I don't know what happened to me. Perhaps it's the holiday season that warms the cockles of my heart to open the door for Titanic to ruin me. <laughs> oh, God. But <sighs> yeah, uh, that that was Titanic. Yes. I think it was overall a positive experience, even though, you know, it's not our favorite movie in the world, but we had fun watching it and making fun of it at certain parts and crying <laughs> for, like, crazily emotional reasons. But it, it's fine. It's fine. I don't have a problem. You have a problem. What? Um, Scott, what did you think about your re-watching the Titanic experience? It's fine. It is okay. It is an average movie. No one should have this movie in their top whatever. <laughs> what, like, top 100? Uh, maybe. Okay. That's fine. <laughs> like, there is nothing... The effects are great because, like, it was 1997. You're like, yeah, oh. Yeah, they still hold up. They still hold up. Like, but nothing in this movie besides that is exceptional. It really isn't. It's, the, the romance is nice, but everything else is, like, okay. And then when you tack on the fact that the movie is three hours and 14 minutes long, that really starts to grind your gears when you just, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, that's that's fair. Again, I think it very easily could have been under two hours, but that's besides the point. Scott, what did you rate it on Letterbox? It did it change at all? I bumped previous? it up because I initially <gasps> had it at a two. Oh my god, it's so rough. I bumped it up to a whopping two. Point five. All right, that's okay. It's okay that you don't have a soul. That's okay. I <laughs> love you anyway, Scott. That's true love. <laughs> yes, because I, I apparently don't have a soul now. Well, I would think that you know, seeing as how you are a, such a proponent uh, and a benefactor of young love, you would be more emotionally invested. But that's fine. Uh, but it's fine, I, Scott. Uh, it's yes, fine. fine. It's fine. I told you at some point during this review where I was like, I, I again, young love is great, but it's kind of hard when, again, the romance is not A tier. It's like a B tier romance, and it doesn't push enough to get over the fact that they're doomed. Well, I think the fact that they're doomed makes it, you know, more emotionally pressing. Uh, but I do agree with you that it's more of a B tier romance. However, I would say that on paper it's really a C tier, and the performances from Leo and Kate Winslet really kind of elevated to that B status. I before watching this movie again, I had it at a three out of five stars on Letterboxd. I kept it that way because um, there are good things and bad things. There was a hot minute where I thought I was going to bump it up to a three and a half, but then we got to the last like third of the movie and it just kind of dragged a little too much for me. So I just, I kept it where it was. I, I think it's right at home there at kind of an, an average good spot. Celine Dion kills this fucking song. I mean, yeah, she just kills every song ever in life. So including Deadpool. Okay, I was going to say It's All Coming Back to Me Now is also a banger. <laughs> we recently went to a friend's wedding not too long ago, and uh, 
as the DJ was packing up his stuff, he was playing that over the loudspeaker and all our friends, including uh, Scott and myself, were dancing and singing along to it. <laughs> and it's, it's, it's she's, she's just amazing. And that song was pretty fucking amazing. And I'm glad that James Cameron warmed his heart to include it in the movie. Because it definitely also is something that elevates the whole thing. Now, I hope everyone has a happy holidays after listening to our review of this romantic tragedy. And (laughs) just remember to love each other as if it is your last day. Because love is all we need. Love will keep us together. What's another love thing? Love will find a way. All that good stuff. That's the positive thing that can come out of this movie. Love. Christmas is about love, right? Okay, Moulin Rouge. Love. Love. (laughs) I don't know. Take take that as you will. But uh, yeah, that's the end of season three of Shoot the Flick. It's been quite a ride, as I said. Indeed. Yeah, I think we did some really good stuff this season. A lot of stuff has changed for us personally. We, We made a pretty big move out of state. We went through a lot of stuff in our personal lives, and we hope to continue with this little fun experiment just because we really have fun doing it. So, Indeed. Uh, we're going to take a, a three-week break to kind of decompress and get through the holidays and the new year and just enjoy a little bit. And then we're going to start up a new season of Shoot the Flick after that. But don't you worry. We will keep you updated as to when that will start and all that good stuff. So... Until then, this has been Shoot the Flick. I'm Frankie Sparks. I'm Scott Eisenberg. And have a very, 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 very happy, happy holiday and a happy new year. Happy holidays, everybody. Make sure you check us out on Instagram and Twitter at Shoot the Flick. And make sure you check out all our episodes from this past season and seasons before. Why not? Just check us out at Shoot the Flick. And uh, make sure you come back in 2023 for a brand new fucking crazy ass movie adventure season four baby six seasons in the movie oh no